Welcome to the Farm Beats Podcast. Farm Beats is proudly produced by Nebraska Digital Agriculture Team and hosted by students at the University of Nebraska. The Farm Beats Podcast comes to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews with expert producers and innovators from across the agriculture industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledges of digital agriculture technology. Hello Farm Beats followers and welcome to another episode of the Farm Beats. I am Anna and I'm Rana. And we are glad to have you here with us as a beginning discussion on agriculture in space. Especially using lunar soil with Cassie Palmer, a graduate student from the Biological System Engineering Department at UNL. Morning, Casey. It's really good to have you here. here. Thank you. So can you introduce yourself and share your background up you now? How are you? Yeah, um, I'm currently in my second year of my PhD program here at UNL. Um, before starting here at UNL, I got my Bachelor's of Science in Bioinformatics from Omaha, so Un- University of Nebraska at Omaha. Um, There, I did a lot of work with computer coding and database work, um, but I was required to have a undergraduate internship or research Mm -hmm. experience in order to graduate. So when the time was coming around, I thought to myself, oh, you know, maybe I'll go look at Lincoln professors that might be of interest Mm -hmm. or places I might want to go to grad school and Mm -hmm. uh, PIs that I'd want to work with. So I reached out to Yufeng Ga, who is in the biological systems engineering. He does a lot of work with plant phenotyping. Um, he's also the plant phenomics director. Mm-hmm. So he is um, pretty much in charge of the uh, Greenhouse Innovation Center. Um, and he actually had a project for me where he wanted me to grow soybean in lunar soil simulant. Um, and I was like, well, this is perfect. Like I, mm-hmm. I love, yeah. love space, love science, always have. And so um, from that project on, um, that's kind of been my focus. And that's why I'm here. I'm in the complex biosystems program, which is primarily uh, computational biology students. Mm-hmm. Um, but because space agriculture is such an interdisciplinary field. Mm-hmm. Um, my background in bioinformatics and my love for space and thinking outside the box really um, allows me to work with Yufeng through BSE and then also through the complex biosystems program. Nice. Yeah, that's really an interesting story. I would like to dig more like why you have such a interest in uh, space because like it's interesting like you studied computer science before but you uh, finally ended up in space research. So can you like tell us more about it? Absolutely. Um, from oh my goodness, when I was little and I was growing up, we had a house that was a little bit like further outside of the city. Mm-hmm. And so we had a really big back porch. And every single night I would just sit out on the back porch and look at the stars. Same with my ah, dad. My dad okay. would sit out there with me and we'd look at all the stars and talk about the stars. Mm-hmm. And um, at that moment, I knew I loved space, mm-hmm. knew I loved space, but I didn't know the whole complexity of it. Mm-hmm. So 
going through all of my years of school, you would learn little tidbits about space. Like yep. I think about the video they showed in seventh grade science where they had the picture of the United States mm -hmm. and then they blew it out to the globe yeah. and then they go, they compare the earth mm -hmm. to all of the other plants in the solar system. And then after that, they keep going. Mm -hmm. And that just piqued my interest right away because I was like, there's so much out there that like you can find out mm -hmm. through science. Yeah. So um, as I worked on my stuff, you know, like my degree and I was getting my education completed, I always focused on science classes. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that having a background in either computational biology or something dealing with computers would benefit me for having a future career in mm -hmm. the space sciences okay that's super cool so interesting <laughs> and can you explain us how to start in being involved with that like where we can begin to like be a person that it's interesting in space where we should go yeah if you're interested in space and you're looking for how to get started um Something that our SPACE2 group, uh, it stands for Space Policy, Agriculture, Climate, mm -hmm. and Extreme Environment. Um, we worked with Dawes and Lincoln Northeast Middle School last spring mm -hmm. on a project called Plant the Moon. Mm -hmm. And so Plant the Moon is run by NASA, um, and they you pay your registration fee, and you are able to grow your own plants in lunar or Martian regolith simulant. Mm -hmm. So it gives you a really like awesome opportunity to try out the whole regolith process and how to plant things and think about it um, in a guided format. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's also a competition. So if you're, oh. you know, if you've got a group of other students that you want to work with, you can compete with uh, different teams internationally. Oh. Although this is an international thing, so yeah. everyone can try to participate it. Yeah. That is so interesting. Yeah. That is so interesting. So it's definitely um something that last year as a coach, you're going through like different submissions from different teams and you're looking mm -hmm. at the different teams and you see homeschool families, you see um actual families where, you know, maybe like their mom's just mm -hmm. running the science experiment as their home. Um spring activity yeah but it's so fascinating and so i really think that that would be um a brilliant way for someone who is interested in space agriculture mm -hmm. to um get involved with it and see how many other people are out there involved with it um other ways to get involved in space agriculture of course reading the literature um mm -hmm. yeah as as a PhD student, that's the only thing that I can say, of course, is uh, mm -hmm. reading the literature. It's a great way to see what people are doing. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing, uh, if you are interested in space agriculture, is, of course, watching Martian. Um, mm -hmm. The Martian is the movie with Matt Damon. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's and a cool so, one. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I had not seen The Martian until... Goodness gracious. Um, I want to say it was last November. So November of 2022, mm -hmm. I saw The Martian for the first time. And leading up to 
be seeing the Martian for the first time, people always ask me, like, oh, so you're doing the Martian work. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what the Martian is. And at <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, that time, you still have, like, no clue what's that. <laughs> so at that time, I had no idea what the Martian was. And um, I think the Martian is a great way to connect to the general public mm -hmm. or people who might not be in a research setting mm -hmm. with them understanding your work. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, Thank and you for the hearing. good thing is, like, <laughs> you're not using all the things that he used in Marshall's film, movie. So yeah. we are good. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, but The Martian is a great way to, um, I think, for, like I said, the general public and maybe mm -hmm. people that might not be um, familiar with agriculture. Yeah, I think it's a great yeah. way to start, like, to know, like, what space is, yeah. sort of this thing like that. Yeah, and yeah. to put yourself in the shoes of, like, you know, if you are to go to space, whether mm. you're on the ISS, you're on the moon, or you're on Mars, you're going to have to produce your own food. You might be faced with difficult challenges where you cannot, um, like, allocate enough resources to food production or to mm -hmm. other um, parts of your life. And so in space agriculture, agriculture we're thinking about it from a bioregenerative and mm. closed system way okay. of how can we not only produce food but also do so sustainably efficiently mm -hmm. and then also the byproducts of food processing mm -hmm. is going to have um, extreme benefits so it could be used for biofuels it could be used for medicines it could be used for animals mm -hmm. whatever it is agriculture can have um downstream applications yeah wow that's fascinating that uh me personally just know like there's a huge scope that space agriculture can contribute mm -hmm. so you mentioned that here in unl you work in the space to project yeah. do you want to um elaborate more like what is the research that you guys do there maybe yeah um mm -hmm. there the best way to describe space too um i'll be and on this it is a uh callous grant uh it's from the funding so the funding group um mm -hmm. from the callous nebraska grand challenges callous proposals um so we have faculty from uh agronomy and horticulture biological systems engineering we have faculty from the law school faculty mm -hmm. from performing arts um, and then we also have faculty from Omaha um, and food science. Mm -hmm. So um, with that, we're trying to really take an interdisciplinary mm -hmm. approach to um, come up with a big project. Mm -hmm. So that's why um, so far over the last two years, I did my small uh, soybean project. Mm -hmm. We did the plant the moon project with the Dawes and Lincoln Northeast Middle School. Mm -hmm. um, and so right now we are trying to come up with a big project for five years from now mm -hmm. um i don't i never got specification if i can tell you what we are uh trying to propose mm -hmm. for our big project but i will say that um our goals of being efficient sustainable and bioregenerative are driving um our project and what we're hoping to do interesting like thinking the space and how to do everything and can you explain how you you and all your all background get involved into space too like where is your hole in that history yeah getting into space too when yufeng had reached out to me in 
or when we were communicating, because mm-hmm. I reached out to him, it was maybe August or July of 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, he had just found out that they got the first year of the Grand Calist proposal funding mm-hmm. and so um for the funding project. And so he was actually actively looking for undergraduate or graduate students that could work on the project because mm-hmm. um he said it best and I hate saying it as a grad student, but we do the work, we do the research, we're yeah. out on the streets working with people, we're writing things, we're in the lab. Mm-hmm. He's behind the scenes maybe sending the emails trying to get us to conferences trying to bring in people mm-hmm. and so he just didn't have anyone to do the dirty work essentially do all the like hard work for yeah. him and so he was actively looking for someone I reached out and he was like perfect you can work with me yeah and since then I've loved it um I'm grateful to stay in Nebraska because I am from Omaha mm-hmm. um and I absolutely love all of the faculty that I work with. That's kind of like a great match because you have this interest uh, for space and you finally found like this project, right? It's awesome. Uh, Back in November, I had submitted a NASA proposal for Mm -hmm. a fellowship. And so I still have to wait until April to find out. But when I was writing my personal statement, you know, I was reflecting on my love of space over all these years and how I always was applying for NASA internships in mm-hmm. middle school and high school, you know, for summer camps. And yeah. although I was never selected, um, I my love for space never dwindled. And so mm-hmm. um, I've always wanted to do this. And so it definitely is a full circle moment where you're looking back at your life and you're like, I'm doing what I wanted to do. Yeah, I think you're already like in a right right path. And we hope that maybe in April you can get a good news yeah. for that fellowship, right? Yeah, please let us know <laughs> about that. It sounds really interesting. Have something related with NASA. Yeah. yeah. As you mentioned, like before, you plan the uh, crops with the regolith soil, which, if I'm not mistaken, coming from the moon. So do you want like to let us know, like, how can you plan with the soil from the moon? Because what we know, like, we need to plan in the organic soil, right? Like soil with high amount of organic and the chocolate color, not like the gray, like the lunar soil. Yeah. So yeah. So that is something that is a really big focus for space ag is um, in situ resource utilization. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about going to the moon, you can use hydroponics, mm. um, but hydroponics can require very fine-tuned measurements. Um, if you're growing a variety of crops, you might have to be very particular with what mineral nutrients mm-hmm. you are putting into the system. Um, and then the other thing to consider too is um, the water requirements of the hydroponic system. Yep. Um, a lot of researchers and um, literature has suggested that in situ resource utilization for either extracting minerals from the surface of the moon or the surface of Mars um, or extracting minerals from byproducts of astronaut waste could be used to terraform the lunar soil into something Mm -hmm. like that of Earth. Mm -hmm. Um, And soil like that here on Earth would be a little bit more... um, nutrient balance so Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have to put as much nutrients into the system um it would have different water holding capacity and so you might not need to use as much water Mm -hmm. in the agriculture system 
Um, and so, as you were mentioning, you can't really do that with a regolith because it's just rocks. It's yeah. um, it's just rocks. They've brought back samples from all of the different Apollo missions. Okay. They do all of the um, mineralogy and um, chemical and petrol, uh, all the just geology analyses. Mm -hmm. And they find that there's um, a whole lot of uh, heavy metals. Yeah. The particles are very sharp. There's mm -hmm. a lot of dust on the moon. Mm -hmm. um, it is exposed to radiation because it is um yeah. it does not have an atmosphere like the sun mm -hmm. and so um with that if we were to like let's say we went outside with like a shovel or something mm -hmm. we scooped up some regolith we brought it in and we're like we're gonna plant plants with this mm -hmm. we have to apply a little bit more organic matter whether it's mm -hmm. a nutrient solution um maybe you could use like microbacteria or microalgae mm. that are capable of extracting the minerals or even um worms mm -hmm. they're pretty they're commonly used to aggregate and like we'll just say like grind down yeah. the material and transform it with their own organic matter mm -hmm. um so there are a lot of uh different research avenues to take for terraform terraforming the regolith so clear that is really nice. So you also mentioned some projects that is related with space too, mm -hmm. like the planting moon and everything. Can you share us how the people that is hearing us today can participate or if it has other challenges that they can also participate? In? Yeah. So um, the Plant the Moon for spring 2024, that's mm -hmm. where we're at now. Um okay. It did start back in January, so they do have spring and fall competitions. Mm -hmm. um, if someone were interested in participating in that in the future, they can participate in the fall. Um, the lab or the uh, industry, I guess, that provides the lunar and Martian regolith, mm -hmm. they are called Exolith, E-X-O-L-I-T-H. I'll spell that out so uh, mm -hmm. listeners can look that up. Yeah. But... Exolith Labs allows you to purchase kilograms at a time of regolith simulant. Um, so if you wanted to purchase it and start experimenting with growing plants, you can do so. Oh, yeah. that's cool. I would love to join yeah. <laughs> if I'm still here. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> right? I wish it was kind of like a club. Because um, yes. I think about, I think that... Um, everybody that I talk to they are very interested in the work and there is interested in having a club yeah hit me up we can start a space agriculture club maybe it could be a group of students that want to um, do the plant the moon mm -hmm. or maybe it's a group of students that spend a lot of time um, keeping up with space research and mm -hmm. thinking um, of different ways to grow plants or terraform soil uh, whatever it is yeah, because it's really interesting. I was chatting with some friends about our topic today, mm -hmm. and they were like, oh, but UNL have something to do with the space egg as well. I didn't know about So most of the people also don't know. And that idea to have mm -hmm. that club, you'd be amazing because this also can improve your project as well. As you mentioned, like about the plant the moon challenge, can we plant like any crops there? Or like, is there any specific crops that we should grow? With the plant the moon challenge, that challenge is designed specifically for eight weeks. Um, so that would be 56 days of having your plants in the soil, mm -hmm. 
very few plants can um, reach full maturity or close to full maturity by 56 mm -hmm. days. And so they traditionally recommend that you're focused on lettuce, leafy greens, mm -hmm. um, um, maybe some other sort of fast growing uh, salad crop. Yeah. Uh -huh. And so um, the reason that I like to think about space agriculture, I'll just say, is because I don't want to eat salad for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. um, I do like a lot of other foods. Uh -huh. And I, uh, because I'm a Nebraska girl, I love my corn. Mm -hmm. um, and I uh, think that you could grow plants it, for a longer period of time mm -hmm. should you not participate in the plant the moon competition. Mm -hmm. um, you could definitely go past the 56 days of plant growth yes. and do a, something a little bit bigger or something mm -hmm. that might have a longer uh, growth stage. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So also thinking that like all the project being the moon and the space, we always get in connect with technology. So there is any specific technology that you guys are using or projecting that you want to share with us? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, I was talking about the Greenhouse Innovation Center. Yep. And if you have not been there, it has four different imaging modules um, with four different cameras. So visible, near-infrared, hyperspectral, and then fluorescent. Mm -hmm. And so from pictures that are taken at different angles of every single side of the plant, including top view, Mm -hmm. With those different cameras, you are able to extract pertinent information relating to the plant growth and responses. So it's phenotype. Um, and so something like that would be useful for space. Because mm -hmm. if you think about it, like I'm in my big astronaut suit, I might have to be outside of the plant growth module all day. I'm not going to be able to take care of my plants. But if there's an automated system that is able to take pictures of the plants, mm -hmm analyze them, understand what kind of stressors are going on, you could potentially develop a robotic or automated system mm -hmm. that can strategically treat the plant stress and the plant response mm -hmm. so that you are not at risk of losing agricultural yield um, due to one, like, you know, many stresses that plants might experience in space. Wow, that's really a yeah. brilliant idea. Like, you know, uh, integrating the computing part and image analysis, I yeah. guess, right? Uh, to that kind of analyzing the plan. Yeah. Um, other technologies that we are uh, looking into are um, smart uh, environmental controls. So mm -hmm. something that is able to... Um, efficiently maintain the ideal pressure and temperature within mm -hmm. a um, plant growth module. Mm -hmm. um, we are looking into uh, solar panel use and efficiency. Mm -hmm. So if solar panels were on the moon or on Mars, how much solar power can they extract? Mm -hmm. How can they um, dissipate most effectively? Um, and then I think we're also starting to look into a little bit of communication autonomous systems so mm -hmm. how far away from this robotic system can you be for it to work okay so the idea is kind of like connecting the energy that you got like from mm -hmm. the sun then you transform it to you know like working for the robot yeah. system yeah so oh. that could be one form of getting the energy um the other form of getting the energy is breaking down the food 
mm-hmm. or human waste mm. and then turning that into some sort of fuel or some sort of um heat reaction to get the needed energy for the system mm-hmm. so there are definitely a lot of components that go into making an uh a working and cohesive space uh environment yeah it's really nice mm-hmm. and uh, about everything that you collected, all the data that you collected. Mm-hmm. After you get all this information, as you already mentioned, that you do the hard work for your yeah, professor. Doing the hard work. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you getting the analyzing of those being a graduate student? So yeah. how you deal with this? Um so I've previously analyzed it analyzed the images of a soybean experiment. So mm-hmm. I grew soybeans in lunar mare regolith simulant Mm -hmm. um, in fall of 2022. Um, In fall of 2022 and then winter of 2023, I was doing some image analysis um, using MATLAB, Mm -hmm. uh, doing a bunch of code. After I got my numbers from my code, I put it just into um, Python, Mm -hmm. did some plots. And then um, since then, I've been writing my first manuscript mm-hmm. um going forward i have a new growth experiment that i'm mm-hmm. designing it'll be based on martian regolith mm-hmm. um and it will be with added perchlorate which is a ion that's mm-hmm. commonly found on the martian surface mm-hmm. um it's very toxic to plant growth and mm-hmm. human growth and Yay. so um i'm just seeing essentially kind of what concentration of perchlorate um plants can grow at mm-hmm. and if we were to have to go through perchlorate remediation processes mm-hmm. on the mars yeah if it's more expensive to do perchlorate reduction from the soil mm-hmm. what's that like max level of perchlorate mm-hmm. yeah that plants could grow at that way if we need to allocate resources efficiently mm-hmm. we know that plants could grow in you know a small amount a small amount of perchlorate okay so that is interesting that mm-hmm. is really interesting yeah so you kind of like see the threshold yeah like like how long or like yeah. how far the crops can grow yeah pretty uh-huh. much yeah um that's my next step mm-hmm. um i don't know what my next step will be after that mm-hmm. um maybe i'll work with some uh people that are uh experts on plant growth and responses in Mm. cold temperatures or under extreme extreme conditions um and maybe work with some people on uh transforming genotypes of different crops in order Mm. to um prepare them for a better uh response in extreme yeah there's still a lot of research to discover right so i was like wondering with this current research that you've done so far Mm -hmm. what is the biggest challenge like for growing the crops or even like analyzing like in terms of this research yeah so um i guess i forgot to mention one of the Mm -hmm. small projects that i did but i'll talk about my soybean project Mm -hmm. when i was growing my soybeans i was uh thinking to myself okay how am i gonna like grow my plants what care regimen am I going to do Mm -hmm. and talking to the people at the greenhouse they advise that I do like one fertilizer application um a week Mm -hmm. so at full strength fertilizer apply once a week and then water every other day 
or every other, like every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, literature started getting published. There was one specific article that came out, I think, May of 2022. So it inspired a lot of my work. But when it was published in May, it did not have um, complete materials and methods that detailed um, out what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And so they finally updated it, I think, in December of 2022. Mm-hmm. And they updated that they were doing a very low-dose nutrient solution or fertilizer every single day. And they reported that they did pilot studies where the low-dose nutrient solution every single day mm-hmm. had better growth, uh, better growth than traditional fertilizing mm-hmm. um, regimens. And so um, after reading that and finding that out, I understood that my plants did not grow because mm-hmm. they didn't grow as well and they became completely stunted because oh. they were just getting too much fertilizer yeah. at full strength. But giving them a little bit lower dose of fertilizer um, over time allows them to kind of like strategically grow with how much mm-hmm. fertilizer they have in the soil. Um, and it also prevents a little bit more of the salt stress due to how much salt is in mm-hmm. normal uh, nutrient solutions. So yeah. that's definitely the most like difficult part is trying to find out the best nutrient solution that you can use and how to um, keep the nutrient solution from uh, degrading and becoming mm-hmm. um, unstable. Yeah. But then also making sure that there's not too much salt in the uh, fertilizer itself because that'll just lead to salt stress and mm-hmm. the plants are already under enough stress yeah as it is, so yeah in the extra soil right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that seems to be a really challenging because i think we can say that everything that you do in egg here in the earth you'll be the same that you're gonna do in moon or mars yeah so yeah. It, it really is the same and so um when i as i've been writing my manuscript I've really been trying to make that argument as like, I'm not trying to problem solve for here or for only on on the moon. I'm trying to problem solve for extreme environments and climate change here on Earth or Mm -hmm. places where soil might be completely deplete of nutrients um, or as our population worldwide is just booming. Mm -hmm we're going to have to start using soil at a different rate and using soil that we haven't used before. And so how can we um, optimize plant growth and also be mindful of environmental conditions, cultural practices, and then also uh, the uh, normal diets of the people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. That is really interesting because it's the way that you can connect it, the moon with the earth. Like, yeah. why are you searching the moon if you have this problem? No, you are searching right. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. Thank you. Because, like, usually people think like, why we should care about something outer space when we still have like you know some soil here? But I think it's really interesting that you can see the dots there. Yeah. Um. I. Uh. I'm thinking of a cartoon and a lot of times when you were little you saw I think the Flintstones mm-hmm. they depicted a futuristic world right yeah mm-hmm. so how did they picture that world they had flying cars they had um really tall buildings they had robots everywhere and so although that's an alternate reality of where we actually are mm-hmm. right now I'm trying to think about okay what would earth look like 50 years yeah. from now what mm-hmm. kind of challenges might we be facing and how can we 
solve those problems by thinking about life now on space because life now on space is going to be um, limited by so many factors. And so if we can think about how to live fully Mm -hmm. in a limited environment, we can use those uh, solutions and those techniques and um, technologies to um, benefit the lives on Earth. Nice, nice. That is really interesting. So think on that. Say that you're already thinking 50 years ago. Uh, what will be the next steps? Where are you going to think that you go, even you personally or even your project? Yeah, um, I think in general, the next steps for space agriculture, mm-hmm. they have the um, Artemis mission coming up um, and they've got a whole bunch yeah. of different um, uh, small uh, oh my goodness they just have a whole bunch of small vesicles that are be able to oh. go to the moon and so um uh, we might be involved in designing a project that could be mm-hmm. on that um vehicle that's going to the moon or maybe we are involved in some way working with the artemis mission with providing food or yeah. designing a um system for them to use mm-hmm. um there's a whole bunch of opportunities and i think with like small research projects like the vesicles and like the um artemis mission will be able to kind of guide the future for space ag yeah that's really fascinating like people now already like projecting what's going to be happen like many many years in the future and i think we should be ready for that right yeah with all the you know the situation on our earth now mm-hmm. i think it's better to think early about the solution yeah <laughs> yes i agree i totally agree you need to hurry up where we can find more information about space 2 and you as well how we can reach out to you i'm very inactive on social media Mm -hmm. so if anyone finds me on social media um it might be about like three weeks for me to follow you back or get back to you if you send you if you sent me a message um but i do respond very quickly to my email Mm -hmm. um my email is cpalmer9 at Mm huskers.unl.edu Um, if you're interested in learning more about the Space 2 project, um, we do have a website or I guess more of a web page. It's on the BSC mm-hmm. um, homepage. I think it's uh, bse.edu or unl.edu slash bse slash Space 2. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're also interested in talking to me, you can find me here at Chase Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, da- I'm down in the basement, but... Uh, you can find me in my office most of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you don't want to talk to me and you want to talk to anyone else, um, there's another grad student working with me. His name is Asan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a couple of other faculty members, like I said, um, and they are in all departments. So if you ask any faculty who's working on space, they might be able to point you in the right direction. To everyone else, we're going to put all the links that she mentioned in the description of this video and this podcast as well. As we already talked about this mind-blowing research and like from the beginning and the future projection. So is there anything that we didn't talk about that you might want to add or share to our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I did say that hydroponics might have a couple of uh, downfalls, Mm -hmm. but a really big, I think, 
important mindset to have in not only the research space, but also thinking about space agriculture is all approaches are valid. Mm -hmm. Um, So hydroponics, although there's speculation that it might not be affected, I'm not saying it is not effective. I'm just saying I grew up with soil-based cropping methods. And Mm -hmm. so that's what I'm used to. And that's how I see things working forward from Mm -hmm. here. Um, And if you think of something that's, you know, outside of the box for space ag, yeah, you know, propose it, talk mm-hmm. about it, because it's pro- it's valid, mm-hmm. and I would love to hear about it. Yeah. So, as a tradition on here in Farm Beats, uh, we want to ask you for a piece of advice. Can be anyone that it's right now listen this and think, oh, I really want to work with a space egg, or I want to go to space. What is your advice for everyone that's listening? You don't give up, and mm-hmm. always think about where that love for what you want to do started mm-hmm. from. Um, I think that's what's kept me going all these years is, you know, I think about little me on the back porch looking yeah. at the stars. And I think about that video from seventh grade and um, it just inspires me each and every day because I think about how I can be the person that inspires the young girl, the young kid, mm-hmm. the person that might want to be in space, but they don't know how they're going to be in space. And so if I can push the boundaries and um, have a smile on my face while I do so. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be important for inspiring the next generation of students, leaders, and um, astronauts. That's really nice. Yeah, thank you, Cassie, for sharing. This is really, like, inspiring for us because you start from, you know, like a little girl that loves stargazing until you finally do the space agriculture research by yourself. So yeah, it's really amazing. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really, thank you. (laughs) It's amazing to talk about that. And to everyone that's listened, please keep on going and dream about these stars. Thank you very much to Cassie for taking the time to join us on this episode of the FarmBeat podcast. It is really exciting to unravel the research of planting crop with lunar soil and touch of technology on it. One of my favorite parts of this episode is about the little cast dream and love for space until she can work with the egg space right now. I also think that this is fascinating to know how the space egg is actually have many relation with our earth condition than we used to think before. Especially supporting the extreme condition that we have now and offering solution for the next steps. I hope you enjoyed the episode and we look forward to sharing another digital egg story with you next week on FarmBits. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on FarmBeats Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen this podcast to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. If you have comments and questions for us, please reach out email or Twitter or on the review sections of the favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found on the show notes. We would like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high-quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The options expressed by the host and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension 
or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week on another episode on Farm Beats. <laughs>